Life lessons from the game of poker? Seriously? Yes. Seriously. Whether you're familiar with the game, whether you're not familiar with the game, whether you've gone to a casino before or not, whatever your beliefs are about the game, or whether you've just played Old Maid all your life, there's no question that a lot could be learned from the game of poker itself. So within the game and the strategies and the little tricks and beyond the actual table where they're playing poker that could be applied to all of our lives. So join us as we talk with a real professional poker player and try to take some meaning from the game of poker that we all can learn from. This is Mental Filter. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mental Filter, where we talk about anything and everything through the lens of mental health with some mental health professionals and some other pretty cool guests. My name is Shmuel Fischler. I am a clinical social worker and own and run a practice a little bit north of Baltimore called CBT Baltimore. And I am very excited to have our co-host today. We're not going to call him a guest because... We don't have guests, we have co-hosts. We're just going to have a conversation about a really cool topic. Some of you may know who he is by name, but I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. We have Ari Engel joining us. Ari, thank you for being here. Thanks so much, Mool. Uh Hey, how's it going? I'm Ari Engel. I'm a professional poker player, um, kind of uh, nomadic at the moment. I've been uh, traveling around the world playing poker tournaments for the last few years. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not every day and that, you know, for, for, I guess the lay person, the regular person like me, you know, what's my exposure to poker, whether it's, you know, with friends or maybe if pop into casino and this is, but this is this, you know, this is your world, this is your life. Exactly. Um, uh, I guess like one of the misconceptions people have about poker to start off is that people think naturally, you know, it occurs at casinos a lot that it's a gambling game. The way I look at it is it's a strategic game that has an element of chance, an element of gamble. Um, So uh, I would compare it much more to someone, let's say, starting a business who, uh, of of course, is taking a lot of risks when they start a business. And and there's a lot of factors that are out of their control. There's a lot of factors in their control. Um, And I think it's basically all professions have this where uh, there's elements of chance and risk to it and uh, elements that you can control and you should try and focus more on the things that you can control and try and do those things as good as you can. Right. Which that in and itself is, is an awesome lesson. I mean, from my end where I'm, you know, working with people on that sort of focusing on what you can control. And yeah, I agree. That probably is a major misconception about it is that it's all just chance. It's all just, uh, you know, risk or, or, or gambling. And I want to get back to that in a second, but if we could just back up one second, give us like sort of the short version of what is Ari Angle's, journey into poker into this world so i went to college uh in nyu uh i was majoring in finance and my roommate there was basically majoring in online poker um officially he had something but uh (laughs) he was playing online poker all the time and i was a pretty decent student but um i spent a lot of time watching him play poker and picking up things and it turned out that he was a world-class poker player and even the elementary ideas that he uh, gave me at the beginning were enough to get me started 
down a path that led to good decision making and profitable decision making. And uh, shortly after I graduated college, um, I was making more playing poker after work than I was at the actual job that I had. And it wasn't in the major that I was uh, like the job that I didn't get a good job out of college. So I decided to uh, take six months off and see I'd made I'd made more than I was supposed to make in six months at my job. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take six months off and see how it goes. And here we are. It's now 15 years later. I haven't had another job and I've been playing poker and it's, I've been very successful at it. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's, that's what I do. I, you know, slowly getting more and more into it. Um, I used to play entirely on online poker and in uh, 2011, the U S government basically effectively shut down online poker through Department of Justice intervention with the major poker sites. And uh, so basically since then, um, I uh, have moved over into uh, the casino live poker world in-person poker tournaments. And as mentioned earlier, I don't have any home base right now. And I just travel around playing poker tournaments. Wow. Go NYU, the minor leagues of uh, (laughs) developing poker players. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And is is that uh, without I guess without saying his name is that is that roommate still like on the circuit? Uh, yeah, his name is I can say his name is Andrew Brown. He has a World Series of Poker bracelet winner, which is um, you know one of the biggest titles you can win as a poker player. Uh, very successful poker player himself. Wow! And anyone can you know take a take a minute or two and look up Ari. I know Ari's not here to talk about his. Uh, you know, poker uh, achievements, but uh, a quick look is that Ari has been quite successful on the circuit, uh, World Series of Poker, and uh, remember Aussie's Millions um, not too long ago. I think it was twice, right? Um, so I won the Aussie Millions main event in 2016, and then I, uh, I, I got 10th in their main event a couple of years later. And then basically uh, in poker tournaments, they'll have a main event and then some side events at these various series. So I've also won some side event tournaments in Australia. Um, just one thing to note when you do Google or look me up, if you happen to, uh, the numbers that are involved are, are gross numbers. So there's another misconception people have. You'll, you're going to see some really big numbers, but they don't take into account that poker players, um, we, don't, we pay for our own buy-ins into tournaments. So um, basically, um, the first uh, X amount every year goes to buying. Um, for these tournaments. So uh, the, imagine a business where there's gr- your gross revenues, but you need to pay for your inputs. Um, of course, the top line is going to look really impressive, but it's the bottom line that counts. So uh, all you're seeing when you look on the internet are top line numbers. I'm, no complaints. Everything is very good, but it's not as it appears, not even close. Right. One of the many misconceptions. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and if I'm, you know, I guess educate us a little bit because um, it's not, you know, it's not all peaches and cream and it's, 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 it's definitely work and it's preparation. And isn't there a big element of, you know, people backing players and, and people basically investing in your. In- there is a lot of that. Yes. Um, so uh, I think one of the things that might be interesting to you and your audience is um, as you mentioned, it's not all peaches and cream. Um, a successful. So like uh, the analogy I like to use is a baseball player. So if a baseball player bats, uh, let's say over 300, they're considered a very good uh, batter. That that would mean that they're still getting out 70% of the time. So as, if you're a baseball player and you're looking uh, at success or failure, um, 
and you and you look every time you get out as a fail, that means you're failing 70% of the time. And, um, you know, from a, you know, a, a mental aspect or staying sharp or being on top of things, this is going to be hard for a lot of people, especially uh, people that tend to like poker are very competitive. I, as a child, I was a sore loser when I played a lot of games. When I competed, I found it very difficult to lose. And poker is even more extreme than, uh, than baseball in the sense that on average, the best players are only uh, succeeding in a particular tournament 15% uh, of the time. But even within that, the vast majority of that 15% are going to be very small successes, very small profits. Um, for me, if you take away the, the best four or five days of the year, I'm going to be a losing player. So basically, wow. like it's like four or five home runs and then a lot of strikes, strikeouts and then like some singles and doubles here and there. But it's mainly failure. And also, if you're competitive, even if you come second or third in a tournament, you're going to get make a bunch of money, but you still lost and you could have made that much more. So there's a lot of losing and getting used to losing and Really, uh, for me, I try and uh, recalibrate the way I look at success and failure. And lo losing in a poker tournament cannot mean failure. Um, that's just an, it's not a rational way to look at it. But at the same time, uh, it's hard. It's hard not to be and not to be a little bit upset when you lose. But the winning formula involves almost always losing. So, like, why would you get upset when that happens? Right. I mean, wow, that's the, yeah, that's, uh, you hit it on the head there. I mean, there's so many ways that this apply. This is not just about poker. This is about so many things in life of, uh, I guess, you know, compartmentalizing and making, you know, each one, it's its own thing. So if, even if I lose here, that doesn't mean um, that I'm losing everywhere else and it doesn't reflect on, you know, my value and all those things. And then also looking at the big picture of like what your expectation is. If your expectation is to be perfect and to win all the time, then obviously you're going to be disappointed. So right. I mean, that re that that's, you know, in, in preparing for this, that was certainly high on my list of how do players manage to, to deal with loss? I mean, there's, there's the broader loss of, uh, you know, uh, not profiting in the, in the tournament. And then there's each, there's a mind game in the game with right so of course there's and, in uh, the game so you get a bad beat you get a bad beat in one hand or you know or someone you know uh, you know plays a plays a you know great bluff on someone and they, and they yeah, really, someone outplays you yeah and someone outplays you i mean that hurts how i guess for yourself and then maybe other players how do, what's sort of like the learning curve how how do you manage sort yeah of so ups and downs? it's it, the way i like to like uh look at it uh for myself is that I'm my own boss in this relationship. I'm both the boss and I'm the employee. And um, a lot of people naturally go to this uh, very negative self-talk uh, when they do make mistakes or when uh, they get outplayed or things like that. Um, the way I would say, you know, I, I, the way I tried to tell myself to look at it is imagine if I'm my own boss and I'm yelling at my, at yelling at the employee, like I would never treat someone else like that. I would never say, you dumb, you know, person, like, what are you doing making this mistake? Like, no, like the, the, the fact, like, if you're going to make the, like, uh, uh, for me, I make thousands of decisions every day in the course of playing poker. And if I'm going to, if I'm going to make thousands of decisions, not all of them are going to be perfect. It's completely unreasonable to expect that uh, of an employee, of yourself, of anything. 
Um, so uh, yes, for sure, having these realistic um, expectations, um, but it can be crazy. I mean, like, you know, most people you go to work and you have a bad week at work, um, you, you still get paid. And let's say you are in like a commission right. job, um, you might not get paid anything that, you know, if you, if you didn't sell anything, whatever. For, for people like me, it's not that I don't get paid. Like I have to pay them to show up to work and lose. And, and like, I'm losing money. <laughs> I'm like not losing. succeeding. I'm paying, like it, it can be. And it's like one of these things where like, are you, are you're not making good decisions anymore? Because like, you're so frustrated from being on this losing streak. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, there's definitely, um, th these, are, these are big issues that, that, um, that I and um, you know, people that are into poker uh, will deal with. Have you noticed that that has unfortunately been like sort of the downfall for some players who get caught up in the negative and, and they burn out from it because they sort of can't handle that up and down? Uh, yes, it's definitely possible that that's what led to a lot of players uh, not being able to, uh, kind of, I guess, make it in poker or whatever, or go and find something else to do. Uh, the thing about, uh, the thing about uh, I think, um, all things in life is that there are so many factors that go into it that it's very hard to isolate it to like, one, this is why someone didn't succeed or this is why someone did. And, you know, I'd go back to where we were at the beginning, where like most things are a combination of, you know, the luck aspect and then and then the skill aspect or or the reverse of that somehow messing up on the skill aspect parts. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, totally, totally agree with that. Um, you know, so. This is probably an unfair question. Well, you sort of answered this. So like how much of a balance is between, um, you know, luck and skill so you already said it it's a combination combination it, or two. it's a combination but the way i would look at it is um in the short term so if we play one hand of poker uh you know i might win i don't even I, without knowing anything about your poker skill um i might win at 70 or 80 percent of the time um but if we keep playing poker hands if we if we just play for the next 24 hours the chances that at the end of 24 hours that you're beating me are very very small and if we keep playing um you know for weeks and weeks at a time it's it's it, it goes to almost zero the chances that an amateur poker player is gonna is gonna be me someone who spent 15 years all my all my time and thoughts trying to create these great strategies to beat people like you at poker you know right um <laughs> so it like be, it wouldn't be too hard <laughs> it, exactly exactly but if we go if we go all the way back to the one hand, you still have a really decent shot. So the, the, in the one hand, there is a fair amount of luck. And if we compare that to like other games that people play, let's say like sports games, like if you try and play Michael Jordan at basketball, you can you can have it doesn't make a difference if it's a very small sample size, you're going to lose. If it's a very large sample size, you're going to lose. It doesn't make a difference. You're like you cannot you cannot win. There's the, the luck element when it comes to basketball is small, but it, it's not zero. You know, the, the best teams in the NBA don't always beat the worst teams, you know, because there is some luck in it. Um, right. You know, and, and, and so in sports, you know, I would say it's a, it's a small luck aspect, but there, that still definitely con contributes. Uh, in poker, the aspect is larger, somewhat larger, and to some extent, the person that wins the biggest tournament in the world with the most people they will be lucky no matter what when it comes to their poker results. And 
Um, but overall, if you look at the population, its vast majority is, is skilled. Um, and then and there, there is that element of luck, um, right. which makes it so like a game like chess, which has, has virtually no luck. So if you're viewed as, if you have a rating in chess of 1500 and I have a rating of 1200, my understanding is that if we play a hundred games, I don't win any of them. Or maybe I win one, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, so someone that's much better than you, because there is that luck element, everyone, everyone thinks they're much better than they are and people are willing to gamble on it. And that's what makes, um, that's what makes the, great, the game so great is the fact that in any given day, someone can be, like you actually can beat me. It's not even that crazy. Like if we play one hand, like I said, it's gonna happen a bunch, even though I spent so much time trying to get good at this game. Right, right. So speaking of which, so do you, do you think, I don't know if you've thought about this before, do you, do you think like poker draws like a certain type, like it's, a, it's attractive to a certain type of people or a certain type of people are just, you know, uh, magnetically pulled into poker? Yeah, well, it's definitely, it's one of the things that, that those of us that are really into the poker world consider a lot because the poker world is, is probably 90 to 95% male. And um, we're really trying to attract more females into the game. Um, and like there's an entire, like half the population just is not that into poker. It's like devastating to the growth of the game. And people right. have all these uh, philosophies as to why that's the case. Um, I don't, I don't know that like any of them, you know, completely stick out to me to be true. I mean, certainly um, I, there's ideas of like uh, being into risk taking and things like that. And like historically poker was somewhat of an unwelcoming environment. Um, I was lucky to learn on the internet, which is of course um, a lot more welcoming, I would say to an amateur. Um, and also you can start at very low stakes. Um, so uh, by the time I went from the into comfort this, from the comfort of your own, you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like when you go in and everything is, when you go into a poker room for the first time and everything is foreign to you, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. It's hard to be comfortable. At least for me, I had already played thousands and thousands of hands on the internet. So while it was somewhat uncomfortable being there, I was at least uh, a little less uncomfortable than others. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. That's a no, no, that's a good point. So, so you bring up, you know, it leads to my, to my next point here, which I'm so curious about, you know, we, for a lot of us who are not professional poker players, or even some people, you know, I've sure certainly have friends who, you know, enjoy going to the casinos and are, you know, as a, as an amateur, you know, okay. But if you watch a tournament on TV, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on at a table and there's a lot of the 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 nuances or the looks or you might call it intimidation or how much how much of that is like a, a sort of like a head game of all the characters and the personalities and trying to you know not have a tell fake a tell or you know keep your emotions in check and all that and in this whole like there's like a, almost like a whole nother game going on aside for the cards there's a whole nother game where like almost like a chess match of emotions and personality and that to which affects, you know, the, you know, the, your, you know, whoever's at the table, their moves. So I would say in, in the general mind of the world, those kind of things are like, are, are exaggerated. So in, you know, popular culture and things like that, um, 
I I'd say the vast majority. So so also there's been a there's been an evolution in the poker world um, into a lot more scientific approach to studying the game and to getting better and to things like that. So maybe like 30, 40 years ago, those things would have been more um, integral as a component. Like to me, the best tells are th are are tells that can be displayed also on the internet. So when I mean that, that is the way people bet their their strategies when it comes to that more so than the physical tells. Having said that, there certainly are um, the, the ideas you bring up when it comes to intimidation and um, and uh, mind games and things like that. I would say, like, let's say you're let's say you want to uh, work on getting better. These are not things to consider. These are not that important on on the broad scale. But once you get to it, like for me, I look if I can improve, if my results can improve by one tenth of one percent because I sleep for six and a half hours instead of six hours and twenty minutes a night, like that's that's what I need to be doing. You know, I'm playing at such a high level and for such large amounts, and uh, that that just improving anywhere is really important. So like. These kind of things are things that I consider, but I think like when you first think about poker, they're very, very much exaggerated. And then at some stage, like, okay, sure, they can make small differences. And like, uh, certainly if you happen to be uh, like, I would say like the people that, are, that other people are most intimidated from are not, it's not like, it's not so much the physical look of them or stuff like that. It's more like their skills are so amazing but then you combine it, some of them do have that physically intimidating presence, which when you combine it with their mental fortitude, it might add a little bit of extra value. Um, but for me, like I look like the most innocent person ever. I'm so not intimidating at all. But, uh, <laughs> but then like the way I play, you know, does, does, does bring about some amount of that. And, 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 and that's, uh, you know, like I've always loved, one of the things I've always loved about poker is like, it's such a like a, a meritocracy, um, like a pure capitalistic game. Like it doesn't make a difference who your parents are. It doesn't make a difference like what race or religion you are. It doesn't make a difference, uh, you know, if you're male or female. Any of these things like just don't make a difference. Like it's like it's you're level, just trying level to make playing field. exactly like level level playing field, trying to make good decisions. And over the long run, good decisions should be rewarded. But then there's the element of luck. Right. So yeah, and like trash talking is is not part of your game. I've watched you play. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not part of my game. But that's not to say there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. And uh, you know, I'm I'm I kind of like look at like I'm I'm quite worried about the long term future of my industry. Um, the like artificial intelligence is getting so strong that I think that's ruined other games. And there's definitely a strong possibility that online po poker will be ruined from that. I'm hoping it doesn't extend to the entire game, um, but but those are but um, but yeah. But there's there's some really good players that like a big part, like at least some part of their strategy is um, throwing other players off. And um, I I I love it. Like uh, if I can abuse someone's like stereotype or something like that to like they're making worse decisions because they uh, they view someone that has. Uh, green eyes makes you know is too aggressive you know so i love to abuse whatever the stereotype is like i would like to go out of my way to try and like abuse people's perceptions about it 
having said that, you know, a lot of stereotypes, especially like if I just sit down at a poker table with nine people who I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go to like certain stereotypes. I'm going to like categorize like a uh, the classic example is um, a 95 year old lady is not so likely to be hyper aggressive in their strategy at poker. Um, that's, you know, that's just happens to be the way most older ladies are. And, um, but right. if you can somehow be an older lady that plays very aggressively, it's going to be really, really good. So you're abusing <laughs> other people's views of, uh, of, of the way, you know, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Right. So really important question here. Have you ever sat down at a poker table and had someone stack a pile of Oreos and slowly separate them while they play poker? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, of course, rounders uh, that you're referencing is just like, uh, it's so big in po poker culture. And obviously it's uh, it's like one of the few things from the poker world that's like, um, just like almost everyone in regular uh, world also knows. Um, so yeah, we're really proud of that movie. And um and uh, yeah, the the Brian Koppelman or whoever wrote it like is like a like a hero in the in the in the poker industry. How, what do you think of its authenticity? I mean, uh, it's pretty I mean, it's, good. It's an underground game, so it's not really you know comparable. But as far as like the poker play, I don't want to get I too mean, much into it. But I'm just curious. Yeah, look, look, you know the poker nerds are gonna have you know are gonna have their issues with it. it, it it's a movie and it's meant for that. Uh, but I think it does. A, a pretty good job overall at capturing uh what you know like the struggles of being a poker player um the the ups and downs and kind of the thought processes of you know obviously people are different on all that but um i could certainly relate to uh to the main character in that right so back to the game itself and in the game do you find that you know it's you said you're 15 years in um you find that you have like more control of emotion do you, or do you still, and, and I guess part of that question is, do you still get a same? I mean, I'm, I'm a very, 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 very novice player, you know, I play for fun with some friends and, you know, I, I wear too much on my sleeve and there's a lot of, you know, that's, you, you know, there's a lot to be on top of anyhow, but you know, I can feel the emotion when I'm playing. There's, even if you're playing with like, you know, barely anything, there's, there's a rush. There's just, you know, when you're, Definitely. you're making a move. So has that like changed over time as far as control over motion or even just having that rush to begin with? Have you been able to sort of, you know, keep it, keep it sort of like remove yourself and keep it all in check over time? What's so, uh, you know, I, I look at things on a, on, on a, a spectrum continuum basis rather than like, yes or no, like, um, you know, I have my emotions under control or I don't. I've certainly moved in the right direction in that regard where I have greater emotional control um, over my reactions at the poker table. Um, having said that, I'm, I'm far, far from perfect. Um, I do catch myself, um, you know, kind of slipping and making and letting the emotions affect my decision making from time to time in, in a negative fashion. Um, I do you know, so like one of the things that I've tried to do is uh, not get too high when good things happen with the thought process that if I view things in this hyper emotional way, then when bad things happen, I'm going to I'm going to be low. And, um, uh, you know, as I said, you you lose the vast majority of time in poker tournaments. So uh, and then there's another idea on top of that, which is like the loss that you feel from losing ten dollars 
is more powerful than the gain you feel from gaming ten dollars. So, mm -hmm. so um, you, when you lose a certain amount, it's a more powerful uh, feeling. And so, imagine when you're losing eighty-five percent of the time, and you're getting that more powerful feeling. Like the fifteen percent can't even at all make up for that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's very hard, and like, also it's hard not like humans. I think are like try to pick up patterns and like put together puzzles, and sometimes there is a puzzle to put together, and you can make logical sense of it. But oftentimes you can't. You just don't have all the pieces, and you try to put put up pick. Uh, you try to put together a puzzle, and the puzzle you put together is I can't win on Thursdays. I I just haven't I've never won on Thursday. Thursday is my bad day, you know. And you can easily put together a puzzle that's just completely false because on Thursday you haven't won anything, but you've played forty-two Thursdays, and Thursdays have been bad. But does that mean that Thursdays? So like, and 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 when when you the thing is when you go back and look through data, you can put together almost not anything that you want. But there's a lot of patterns that you pick up after the fact that are like. In Vegas in June, my results happened to be off. In in April in New Jersey, that's the best time of the year for me. You know, does that mean that next year it's going to be like that? Prob very unlikely. And and then to not have let those things affect you, when you're like every time I go to Vegas in June, I've never been able to do anything. And it happens to be Vegas in June is the biggest time of the year to be playing poker. It's the highest stakes, the biggest tournaments of the World Series of Poker. There's some, is there something, and maybe, maybe it's the heat. Maybe I don't play well in the heat. Maybe it's the desert. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Maybe it's absolutely nothing. And it just happens to be, we said 85% of the time you lost. So you lost, you know, um, and, and like not, you know, like getting over these. So like now I'm able to like more laugh about this because what these examples I brought up are things that I have actually gone through. And this Vegas in June thing was for 14 years, I went to Vegas in June. And I crushed every other month, every other place. But when it came to Vegas in June, I never could do anything. And I lost, lost, lost. I broke even. I did this, nothing. And it was like, I spoke to therapists about this. I like, I was speaking to all my friends about this. I was like, how can I get, oh, what is this? And, uh, and then last year, I had an amazing Vegas in June. I completely crushed it. I made more money in that Vegas in June, way more than I'd lost in all the other Vegas is in June, and then all of a sudden now, I love I love Vegas in June. You know, like so, like you know these these things. Like it's it's there's so much. You I only have half the puzzle. You know, like so. Uh, there's so much in what you just said. I mean, that yeah. is again applicable to so much. There's an acceptance piece of, and you said this earlier about focusing on what you can't control and what you can't control. And sometimes we get lost in trying to make sense out of something that maybe we can't make sense of and then we yep. it's, a, it's a rabbit hole that you go down to and and you're trying to find a, a rhyme or a reason to things and and i imagine i imagine that i i you know i'm not knowing this i can guess that there's probably plenty of superstition um that you know that can come yep. out of it well if i sit in this seat or i'm wearing exactly. this sunglasses yeah. i'm listening to this song on my beats and you know whatever yeah. it is and it's and it's important like that's why it's important to like focus on the things that you can actually control because otherwise you start thinking yeah like my sunglasses make a difference um you know one of the one of like the 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 most important un umbrella ideas that i've learned from poker 
is to be uh, process oriented rather than results oriented. Um, oh, I'm so, a big you know, fan. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and that's like it's very hard to not let the results um, affect you and to and to be like and it, and in poker it's extremely clear because occasionally I win a tournament. Most of the time I don't win a tournament, and it's like so clear that when I did it with when I finally win a tournament, it's not because I played perfectly and did everything well. And when I don't win a tournament, it's not because I did everything wrong. And so like, it makes it really clear to you that it's like these things, like it's the results are not 100% correlated with, with the process and with that. And you'd be much better off focusing on what you can do to improve the things that you can control. Totally. We can all use more of that. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of, um, like, uh, baseball players and they get in a slump and it like gets yeah. in their head and they get all superstitious. It's not taking too much responsibility for things when they go right and not taking too much responsibility for when things go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying. So uh, I would, uh, we could speak for three hours. There's a couple <laughs> more things I would like to try to get to with you, which I, again, this is so for me, it's very interesting and I'm sure it's interesting for others. Um, and by the way, I'm like, so into all these ideas and like talking about like the poker philosophy and these ideas relative to life, like, same thing. I can talk forever about these. And like, yeah, so this, we'll probably this is have like, to do this again. I mean, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many pieces, even like, you know, we, I could have time to like so many little parts of the game. Like I'm sure you've heard. I even remember this in a psychology class from years ago, if I remember correctly. Is it correct that there's a term called the sinking ship syndrome? Um, I, I'm not familiar with that. So I don't know if it was sinking syndrome or it was just like a term basically that when you're betting, and so once you're already committed, it's probably a different word term that you use. Yeah, like with sunk costs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like sneaking shit, like I'm already, you know, in the back of my, I'm already like you're already put in, you know, X amount. Yeah, yeah. You're ready, you're ready on the turn and like, okay, fine. It's so because I'm so committed already, I just make a poor decision based on that. Right. So there's, so within individual hands, there's definitely examples kind of like what uh, you thought one of one of the what kind what came to my mind right away was as as you mentioned earlier there's a lot of backing within the poker world a lot of investing into other play, players and i've been on both sides of that so occasionally what i've done is i have another poker player that i think is very good doesn't have the money to buy into a tournament so what i do is i buy let's say the tournament costs a thousand dollars and and so i'll buy 50 percent of their action i get 50 percent of whatever they cash for in the tournament now, instead of paying $500, which would be the face value of that, I might pay $550, a 10% markup, so that they get a little bit extra because they're the ones that are going to be working. Um, so, oh, so where was it going? Okay, with the sunk cost. So basically, um, when it comes to investing, one of the things, one of the common things are that I is that I will pay for all your buy-ins, and and we will split profits 50-50. But before we split any profits, you first need to pay back for all your prior losses. You need to make up for any prior losses. So if we buy into $5,000 worth of tournaments, then you win $10,000. First, I get back my 5,000 as the investor, and then we split the 5,000 profit, 2,500 each. Um, one of the things as an investor is, when do you drop your horse? So I have, I've invested in you, I've invested $5,000. Okay, I'm, I haven't lost hope. 
I'm going to invest a 6,000, a 7, a 10, a 20, a 50, a 100,000, 200. Is there a time? Because at some stage, I have a horse who's down $200,000 for me. They're playing 1,000 at a time. First place is only $50,000 in this tournament only. But they're 200,000 in the hole. So they need to win that tournament four different times before they see a penny. Is oh that really God. a horse that you want to have? So wow. at some yeah, wow. yeah, it so maybe yeah, go but ahead. but then on so maybe you drop them when they have 30,000. Um and so you so you don't get too much in the hole, but on the other hand, if I have a horse that's 30,000 in the hole, that means that the first 30,000 they win in the next tournament, I'm going to get all 30,000. So it's kind of a really profitable deal. Because I'm going to get all the, you know, almost all the profit of the next tournament they play. So uh, yeah, th that's where th wow. these some costs is like it's a perfect example. And these are things that you know, you know, most people don't realize because there's, like you said, there's a sunken cost with the investor, and then can imagine the impact that has on the mentality of the player. If I'm sitting at a table, and even though this tournament is just this tournament, and there's 50 grand on the line, but in my head, there's actually I'm 200 grand. Yeah, so it's very, hole. very hard. And yeah. so that probably impacts my, it, it's very hard to resist uh, holding back on my aggressiveness because I yeah. really, really want to get back into it. I mean, you're right. And then when you're investing and you know that, that that player has to pay back all that. So you yeah. know it's going to affect their play. It's like, whew. It's really rough. So what I've done is, which is, you know, there's no great solution for this. And it's like, it's one of these conundrums that are like really big in the poker world what to do in these situations and where to drop the line or not. Um, and then also, um, now, now you've lost $200,000 for me or 50 or whatever the, the number is. How are you eating during this time? Like presumably if you needed investors, you didn't have some great amount of money saved up, you know? So um, this, this gets, and how are you paying to go to the tournaments and, and, and these kind of things. Um, so yeah, it's easy. Uh, like like I've had uh, I've had people I've invested in where they did get into some sort of hole like that, and I said, even though we're still you're still in the hole for me, any cash you get, you're still going to get ten or fifteen percent, so that you feel like you're playing you so that you are playing for something still, and yeah, I'm all, I'm going to get paid back on a much slower basis for my sunken cost, but at least you're going to be playing for something in the short term, and right, hopefully you'll be. A that's better, strategic, uh, that's strategic yeah. to make them a better player. Exactly. So exactly. we just have another minute or two. If yeah. you can, in the last couple, in the, and I certainly hope that we can do this again. In the in the last just you know minute or two, you know, you mentioned before there's so many of these like uh, misconceptions or things people don't know about. Like earlier, you even mentioned we didn't get into it about the the nomadic lifestyle you 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 have now. What are some of the things that you know people don't realize? or know are aware of as, as far as like the lifestyle of someone who's a professional poker player or, or on the circuit. And then we'll sort of wrap up with that. Um, so I, so like, I won't talk about myself cause like I've been, I've been way more successful than your average poker player, but also I'm single and don't have kids and don't have responsibilities. Um, when you, when you start adding all those up, uh, the amount of, it's kind of like, I think a lot of these, like, uh, like being an actor or something like that, where a few people make like a bunch of money, but your your average poker player is not like is not super wealthy at all. At all. They're like they're working out the thing, you know. They're making money, you know. They're a professional poker player, but um, I think uh, it's like well, I basically like 
I always recommend to uh, to people that yeah, I don't know if this is your target on people like considering to be a professional poker player, but like <laughs> it's much you know it's much it's much better to ha have your normal job and play in addition to that to play on the side like it's so much easier to play well when you don't need uh, the money to pay rent and when you don't need the money um, to uh, to to eat and all that and also like it's such a fun game like you lose a lot of the funness when like you desperately need to win that money that's that's not to say you like it's not fun when you're not competitive so like i'm not trying to say to not be competitive like definitely try your hardest and all that but it's like the the competitive nature of the game is sometimes like best when it's not like money that like is is like life or death situation you know when it's just you're just like pure strategy and like the strategic elements of it and it's like it's like such a beautiful game it's a mental warfare you know there's no there's no physicalness to it but like you're trying your hard to the hardest to beat the other person in this like strategic way and uh some people will say like uh about poker that uh like people lie because there's bluffing and that but i think it's exactly not at all true like it's completely honest i want to do my best to take your chips you want to do your best to take mine everything's clear it's not no one's being like a business deal where they're shaking their hands and then lying about it and like emitting a bunch of stuff no it's completely clear that we're trying our hardest and uh, i would recommend to anyone that hasn't tried out poker at all um that you can play for free on the internet um you can play with friends and families you definitely do not need to do it in a way where it's high stakes it's a really fun game. There's a lot of great life lessons to learn from it. And I found it's done, obviously, like I've done well financially, but just the way my outlook on life, I've really found that it's, it's provided a lot of benefits uh, to me. So I would recommend it. Yeah, there's a lot to take from it. And I, but I, one thing I would argue with is that there is a physical aspect in, again, we're not going to get to now, you even mentioned before, you got to take care of yourself, you got to sleep well, you got to eat well, you got to practice, you got to prepare well, you got to be focused, your mind has to be clear. All those things are like physical and so much of the physical goes into it. In order to yeah. be able to sit, you're also sitting for a long time at a table. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's like uh, 15, 20 years ago, the uh, stereotypical idea of a poker player was an overweight, 250, 300 pound person um, who's just eating greasy food and drinking beer. Nowadays, you're way more likely to find a person with a six pack who's like been in the gym for an hour and a half in the morning already, who's like drinking their, you know, kale smoothie or whatever. Um, <laughs> because like, if you're playing at the highest stakes, these, these ideas that you that you just mentioned are like super important. I mean, if, if your opponent got a proper night's rest and you didn't, if your opponent's in peak physical shape and you're not, I mean, if you guys have the same brain, theirs is operating at, at a higher level, you know, is so, uh, yeah, like, you know, like I was saying earlier, like trying to get the 1% edge here, the 1% edge there, all these little things, um, once you're playing at a high level are like really, really important and can be, uh, the difference between, you know, just having mediocre success to having, you know, legitimate great success. Yeah. All right. Ari, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun and I'm sure, I'm sure people got a lot out of it and I hope we do it again sometime. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Shmuel. And I enjoyed it.